Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning, friends. It is my privilege and my joy to be here this morning. I am so excited and I'm not going to waste a minute. I believe God is going to get some great stuff done in our midst this morning. And I'm excited and expectant. And I am a South Oz girl, and it's so good to be back here. South Oz always has my heart, born and bred in all different parts of this beautiful state. Um, But I just want to start by honouring your magnificent pastors. They are world-class, and clearly Jesus loves you because he gave you these pastors. That's right. Let's give honour where it's due this morning. And... uh, I met them a couple of years ago and I instantly and instinctively loved and respect who they are. And, uh, and it's a joy to come and witness what Jesus is doing in this corner of Australia. It is a wonder uh, and it's good sometimes to have a friend from the outside come in and remind you about how powerful and impacting and far-reaching the work of Jesus is through this house. It's amazing. Thank God you're here, right? And so um, I wanted to honour your pastors this morning, and I have a picture for Pastor Bell, and I have some words for Pastor Josh. Um, This picture uh, is effectively a portrait of Pastor Bell, and the caption is the battle, and it's a woman in armour, and it will be hard for you to see at the back there. Um, And she has long hair, and it's so a portrait of Pastor Bell. I saw it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is her spirit animal. (laughs) And the scripture at the bottom is Judges 5.31 and it says, May all who love you, Lord, be like the sun when it rises in all its strength. And she is a nurse by profession and she is a nurturer by nature, but she is also a fierce advocate. And um, this is a picture. And I just sometimes we just need to remember who we are in God and how he sees us. And so I just wanted to do that publicly this morning. Because I think you're magnificent and you are kind, but you're also fierce (laughs) in the best kind of way in defense of the people that you love and advocating for the people that you love. So that's just a little reminder there. And uh, last Saturday night, I was lying down to sleep about 9.30, and the Holy Spirit started to talk to me about Pastor Josh. And uh, your leader is both an apostle and a statesman which is a killer combination. (laughs) The statesman is steadfast and capable and almost immovable. Um, They have incredible character and integrity. Uh, They are refined and they have broad shoulders. And um, the apostle is a way maker and extends the kingdom and is a breakthrough agent and sees before it comes into existence Uh, And this is an amazing combination, the apostle-statesman combination. But as I was laying down to sleep, I just saw um, a micro slump in your shoulders, just a tiny one. The thing is that um, with a statesman, you can't see when their shoulders slump with the natural eye because they are so steadfast and consistent. Uh, But the Holy Spirit sees because he pays close attention And I wanted to remind you first this morning, Pastor Josh, that before you were statesman, you were son. And I felt the Lord leaning in to you as his son. 
before statesman, before apostle, before you break ground on his behalf, I felt him attending to you last Saturday night as I lay down and noting the slight micro slump of the shoulders and attending to his son. And I also saw something really powerful. Um, I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm, I'm being pulled into the orbit of Pastor Josh. And I saw this picture. I saw you on the sidewalk And I saw you outside a house filled with darkness, not just natural darkness, but spiritual darkness. And you were standing on the sidewalk and you needed to retrieve something from that space. You needed to influence and infiltrate that space. And I saw that you have, you're a carrier of light. You're a carrier of many things, truth and sharpness and insight. Um, But you are a carrier of light. And I saw as you stood on the sidewalk, you didn't even need to enter that space. That light went from you into that space. And I I tried to find a scripture that articulated what I'm seeing on you. And this is the best I could do because you are like the Apostle Peter. And this is what happened in the day of Apostle Peter when he moved around his space of influence. In Acts 5.15, it says, in fact... When people knew Peter was going to walk by, when people knew that Pastor Josh was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and they laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. That is the spirit that your pastor carries. And God has given this house the city. He's given you the city. And this is going to literally happen where people are going to move in the sphere of your pastor and the light and the power of Jesus that is in him and emanating from him is going to overshadow and it's going to heal. And many times you won't have to move from the sidewalk. You won't have to move from your position. The light and the power will go before you. This is truth. I'm not just flouncing around some nice words. We're literally going to witness this and continue to witness this in this city. If you agree, can I hear an amen and can we see some hands together in this place this morning? It's awesome. So that's my way of honouring our pastors here this morning. Uh, I want to throw up a picture of my beautiful family. I've got Cleo, who's my eight-year-old, my travelling companion. She's the little one uh, with me today and she's out enjoying your kids' ministry Um, She's creative and empathetic and soft and she's a delight. And then I have my son, Jesse. He's 11. Um, If I'm unwell, he's the one who comforts me. He's got a tender heart. He's he's very clever um, and he's a young leader and he's a young entrepreneur. And then there's my daughter, Sienna. She's 14. She's graceful. She's dignified. She's pure in heart and she's a leader in, in evolution, and she's fast making her way towards my job. <laughs> and then there's my husband, Hartley, who is um, the perfect complementary fit. He's the, the, the kindest thing that God's ever given me. And uh, he's anchoring back home in Port Macquarie for us this Sunday. And I also have my parents here this morning. It's a family business. Um, Pastor Ian and Rhonda Hooper, and I've grown up at their feet and I've grown up in their churches also around South Australia so I learned from a young age and gleaned from my stunning parents and in fact my dad was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit under Leo Harris so it's like the kingdom coincides doesn't it and um, that love for the Holy Spirit that came from the impartation from Leo Harris to my father got on the inside of me so it's, I appreciate the legacy and what God has done. And so I was born in Barmra in the Riverland, grew up on Lake Bonnie on a beautiful sheep and wheat farm. And uh, then we moved to Bordertown. 
and mum and dad pastored the church there and now my sister pastors that church. See what I mean? It's a family business and uh, I love that part of SA as well. And then in my teen years, I moved to the Barossa Valley and we would spend our weekends uh, water skiing at Swan Reach with mum and dad and my sisters and I had, I loved my youth and I thank God for it in this beautiful state. And then um, I moved to Sydney and I was there for 20 years, immersed in C3 and, and planting and leading churches there. And just for the last couple of years, we've been in Port Macquarie and uh, we're loving what God is doing in that space also. So um, I wanted to, to read a, um, a, a, a prophecy over you uh, that a prophet friend of mine, Gemma Webb, uh, declared recently over this part of Australia. Um, she She's a prophet that I respect. She's got a sharp gift. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning about what God is unfolding for you and your neighborhood and your part of Australia. So just open your hearts and let me read this prophecy over you this morning and, and then I'll get into my message. So it says, I then saw the banks of the Murray Darling, Australia's largest river, become the starting place of this move of God, the place the river meets the sea. Who's excited already? A move of God coming to our beautiful river in our beautiful city. The Holy Spirit then led me to the prophet Ezekiel's vision of the new temple in Ezekiel 47. He showed me it is a significant vision for Australia in this hour where the river flows from the south of the altar, the south of the temple, everything lives. Then I saw in the spiritual realms a river of revival flowing out to the nations of the earth from the Murray-Darling River Basin of all places. I saw revival begin in, south, in the south of Australia and then along the east, wherever the river flows, revival abounds. Come on. Then it will burst out and cover the entire south land of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 47.1-2 says the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and he led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. Revival will first begin to flow from the river in the east and south of the Southland where the Murray-Darling flows. Her banks will brim with new life, revival life. This will be displayed in both the natural and the spiritual realms. There will be natural signs and supernatural wonders. There will be both natural and supernatural signs along the region of Australia first. Trees brimming with life. Fishermen catching fish of all kinds. Nets full and all the fishermen said, Amen. <laughs> Vast in colour and species, never seen in this region before. It will be a natural sign before a supernatural wonder of the mighty miracle of salvation about to take place. The Lord also revealed to me the position where the Murray meets the ocean at Lake Alexandrina and the Coorong will be significant. Revival will hit there first. The Holy Spirit revealed it is significant Australia's history as the birthplace of David Unapon, the Indigenous man on our $50 note. And one of the first Aboriginal evangelists born in the Coorong on the Murray where the river meets the sea. Revival will spread out and cover the land starting in the rural, coastal and provincial regions and towns along the Murray-Darling. And who knows, we're one of the first stops along that river. We're one of the first stops right here along that river up from the Coorong. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming to visit. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to move, that you're going to sweep through this beautiful place. You're going to lift up hearts that have been disenchanted. You're going to lift them up and you're going to strengthen them. Thank you, Lord. No one is unseen. No one is exempt from your power and from the outpouring of your spirit. Lord, I thank you for the completion and the landing of that word. I thank you that you strengthen hearts this morning. I thank you, Lord, that they tuck that word in their hearts and they can draw strength from it, Lord, in the days and the times in which they need it. Thank you, Lord. No one is unseen. You've got their back. You've got them covered. You're with the people of this region. You're coming to save the people of this region. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I just wanted to read that and say it out loud and declare it uh, because there's something about declaring out loud and coming into alignment with the things which God intends for our beautiful area. So I was uh, standing uh, knee-deep in the ocean a couple of weeks ago, and the Holy Spirit said to me, um, bring them lessons from War Hope. When you come to Lifehouse in Murray Bridge, bring them lessons from War Hope. So War Hope um, is a town that's about 20 minutes inland from where I live at Port Macquarie. Um, it's a town on a river like your city. Uh, it's a bit smaller. There's about 8,000 people there. And I spend my Friday nights hanging at the local basketball stadium uh, with a bunch of um, at-risk kids that are spirited and street smart and swear like sailors. <laughs> and, um, and they're resilient and they're brave and I'm inspired by them and I love walking with them. Um, and, but this is the context um, that I'm going to bring a message this morning called Navigating Antagonism. Um, that town is called War Hope, and I just think that is so the message of the cross, hope in the midst of war. That's exactly what he's about. And where God is moving into that neighbourhood and he's bringing his love and his power. And I just see the advocacy streak in your pastors. And the reality is what is quintessentially on your pastors will run through the body of the church. And because they've got this stunning advocacy streak, it's calling you and drawing you as a community into the front lines of your community, um, which is exactly where Jesus would be. That's exactly where he was found. Uh, and so I feel like this message actually is the theme song of this church. And I feel like I'm going to echo and, and aspects of it will really resonate with you because I feel like this is actually who you are. And the beauty is when you reach into the front lines, yeah, you'll experience some antagonism, but gee, you're going to witness the wonder of Jesus in that space. And I know you as a church are. See, Jesus was antagonized as much as he was celebrated. What a way to live. And he looked through the superficial defense and he had a prophetic insight and he saw into the heart of people. And I love that about Jesus, the way he carried himself and his perspective and See, antagonism and conflict, it's a part of life where it will surface in family, in marriages, yeah, <laughs> in workplaces, in schoolyards, it's, it's a life skill. And as vulnerable people enter our church community and they come and rub shoulders with us and they cross paths with us, at times we're going to need to give them a wide berth. We're going to need to absorb a few punches whilst they settle in, whilst the storm that's brewing in their heart gets attended to by the Spirit of Jesus. And, you know, some people come in, it's like they're under a dark cloud. It's like there is a spiritual arm wrestle happening over the lives of people. Some days the dark winds, some days the light winds, some days the dark winds, some days the light winds. And people speak out of the influence of what they're sitting under. 
And we'll experience that as we're being Jesus here with our friends as they come in. And we just need to reassure and process and answer the questions. And many times the way people are responding, it's not about you. It's about people's place in the world. It's about their need for security. It's about their worldview. They're looking through that lens. And the thing is, is when the uh, internal scales are flawed, be it from trauma or rejection or fear, the vulnerable weigh and judge people through their vulnerability and they project out of that. And so we need to be gracious enough to acknowledge the vulnerability, to hold space for people, to give a wide berth, rather than react to measure our response and send our roots down deep and our security down deep into Jesus and give people a wide berth. And uh, Hartley and I, you know, sometimes you just cannot reconcile when somebody is angry with you and where there's a perspective on the inside of them. And Hartley and I were renting this place in Sydney and we were the lower duplex and I was pregnant with my second son and the renters who were living above us just had this belief that we were tapping their phone line and listening to their conversations. It was like, wow, I don't have time for that. I don't care what you're talking about. I'm pregnant. <laughs> but they were fixated. They were completely convinced that that's what we were doing. And so the beautiful Italian hand house owners had us all over for dinner to mediate the conflict. It was an amazing meal. I do love Italian. I remember that. <laughs> they sat us all down and they were trying to deal with this issue. And uh, it did not matter what we said. These people were so fixed in their view. We, we could not meet on middle ground. In the end, my husband just apologised for anything that we had done that had upset them. You know, sometimes you can't reconcile some people's worldview. Sometimes you just got to be the bigger person, absorb it. And I respect my husband that day for apologising and just taking it on the chin and absorbing it and dealing with it so we could move forward. The chemistry meaning of antagonism is where the involvement of multiple agents reduces their overall effect. And I'm believing people are going to encounter the Spirit of God in this place and it's going to dial down the effect of other agents who can testify? They, ha they know that to be true of themselves. They have entered into community and peace has settled on them. And the disruption in your heart has dialed down. That's what happens when we enter into the presence of God. See, there is an atmosphere here and there is an anointing here that calms people. We come in carrying, you know, the dust of this world and bearing open wounds. But under the atmosphere, in this place, it reconciles the human heart. And Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. And that's what happens when you come into the house of God. And that's what he does here on a Sunday morning when you meet with him. And, you know, people cross the threshold of the church and I watch their countenance change. And it's a beautiful thing to witness as a pastor. Um, there was a time in Sydney, we were living and pastoring there, and uh, we planted a church for Syrian refugees. And we were going to the hotel where the government was housing them initially, and we would go in and rent the um, meeting space, and we would have Lebanese coffee, and um, everything was in Arabic, and we would bring church whilst they got fresh off the plane, and they're standing in a hotel, and they don't even know what their lives are going to look like, and we would gather and meet with them. And in that space, I watched their countenance change. 
uh, initially they would come literally wearing the, the, the trauma and the, the spirit of death and darkness and war and everything that they had walked through and they were having night terrors and their kids were traumatized and you could see it on them. And then as time passed, um, I remember when they would smile for the first time because they were like a poker face, still in shock and in trauma. And then when they began to settle in and Jesus began to heal their hearts, when they would smile for the first time, when their children would laugh, we would watch their countenance change. See, God heals us from the inside out. And then we, we witness it on the outside and our countenance changes and lightness comes and life comes as he restores us. It's beautiful to witness. So uh, in Mark 5, we see Jesus um, interacting with a man who is afflicted. Um, this man encounters Jesus and later he is found free of the spirit and centered and clothed and in his right mind. And at that time, um, the spirit identifies itself and it says in Mark 5, my name is Mob. I'm a writing mob. And it's interesting because when we encounter antagonism, antagonism it feels like a rioting chaos. Even in a small serve, even in a storm in a teacup kind of serve, that that spirit feels like a riding chaos. And we need to ask ourselves what gave access to that spirit in the first place. And in Proverbs 18, in the message, it says, A healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when the spirit is crushed? See, when the walls are broken down, despair and disenchantment, makes way for depression and anxiety. When the walls are broken down, things creep into our spirit and into our soul. And I love the tenderness of God and I love how he ministers to us. And I'm human and I've known what it is to have my walls broken down. You can't live life and not experience some suffering. And I love how he attends to Elijah in the story in 1 Kings 19, 5 to 8. The angel ministers to Elijah and Elijah was overwhelmed and he wanted his life to end. And we need to be able to say that out loud in the church because we are human vessels and we have known suffering. And sometimes that drives us so to the point that we want our life to end. And this is what God does with his man of God in that moment. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. This is Elijah. And all at once an angel touched him. And said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank. And then he lay down again because sometimes the restoration is in layers and it takes time. God didn't just snap his fingers, did he? And say, get up, mate. He addressed him tenderly and he restored him. And it goes on to say, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. See, I love that the Lord acknowledged that the journey ahead of him was going to be taxing. It was going to require something of him. But God didn't just give him a kick and get him on his way. He strengthened him until he was sufficiently able to go and walk the road that was ahead of him. Eat, for the journey is too much for you. And then the scripture says, so he got up, he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. God is tender in the way he restores. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I feel like much of our society is walking around with a hope deferred sickness. 
And we know the person of hope. We know the one that restores, that breathes life into the depths of us. And we have the answer in our midst. I know wholeness is on the agenda of God. It's number one priority right now, today, for the people of the church and for the people of the wider community. And Isaiah 61.3 says this, and I want to declare this over us this morning, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. See, I've, um, I speak with empathy this morning because I've known what it is to have to throw up a spirit of heaviness. There was a particular time where I had um, experienced a um, succession of losses. And when they're one after the other, after the other, they can take their toll and knock the wind out of your sails. And in this particular time, I noticed that the spirit of heaviness came to visit me most mornings. And what I recognized was that there was an assignment and I was going to have to grapple with the spirit of heaviness in order to break through and break the assignment and get free of it. And probably for about oh, four to five months every day, that spirit would come and it cost something of me. I had to dig deep. I had to, um, I had to um, draw from the inner well and throw that weight off so that it didn't suffocate me. So I, I could see if I came into agreement with it long term, it was going to, um, it was going to take an ownership on me. It was going to occupy part of me and I could not afford to come into agreement with it. So I had to grapple with it. I had to throw it off in the morning. I had to throw it off in the evening and I had to go through. Sometimes the only way for healing is through. And I, and I, I just remember the day that it didn't visit anymore. I just knew that I had broken the assignment of the spirit of heaviness and I had learned some worthy lessons along that way and that thing was not going to occupy me. It was not going to take a part of me. And it was just that decision on the depths of me. I will not come under this assignment. You will not occupy me. You have no part in me. And the practice of throwing off the spirit of heaviness. Why don't we thank Jesus here today? He's with us. He's in our corner. He's good. You know, in navigating antagonism, we can disarm with the atmosphere of worship. He feels that when you come into worship on a Sunday morning, if there's any storm in the teacup on the inside of you, it just calms under the atmosphere of worship. And David played for Saul to settle the tormenting spirit. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, 23, and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp and then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. See, worship drives the spirit of heaviness away. And I want to encourage you, if there's any heaviness or, um, or despair trying to occupy the atmosphere of your house, crank the worship music up and let it do the heavy lifting for you. And, um, you know, I play worship music over Cleo when she goes to sleep at night. I brought an iPad, especially on this trip, so she could have her worship music because she likes to listen to it when she goes to sleep at night. She's, she's got a sensitive spirit, and she, likes, she feels most at ease when that worship plays over her as she goes to sleep at night. And I've just found it's harder to argue with your spa, spouse when worship music is playing. Ha, ha, ha. You know, another marital tip right there. Just get the worship music playing and just see how it goes. It doesn't fly so well. <laughs> it's great. You know, um, it's interesting. God uses agitation to, to evolve things in us. And I've found sometimes I feel like God is allowing some antagonism in my discipleship relationships 
because it creates the opportunity for next level engagement, for greater honesty, for a greater heart connection and for more grace and truth to flow, which ultimately leads to greater freedom. Um, sometimes it just yeah, it brings more honesty. And uh, so I spend these Friday nights out at the stadium, which I'm loving, which make me feel alive. I like, I just like keeping it real. And I like spending Friday nights out there. I'm learning a lot. And what I found is that um, respect is not given. It has to be earned one child at a time. And um, they all have these gangster names out there like Shaniqua and Latrell and Doris. And I feel like I should maybe call myself Latoya or something, like give myself a little pet name out there just to fit in because then I'm Nat, which is just not quite as exciting. And um, there's this beautiful guy, Latrell, big dude, um, and he's, he's got swagger and he's really cool and stuff like that. And we didn't have much of a connection until I got hit in the face with the basketball. <laughs> and it's actually inevitable most weeks you're going to get hit with something. But what happened in that moment, I get hit in the face. <laughs> I try not to cry publicly. I just checked that my nose wasn't broken and I was grateful that it wasn't broken. <laughs> Um, but he dropped his facade and he ran over to me and he was like, are you all right, miss? Are you all right, miss? Are you all right, miss? And there was this moment of honest connection. And I was like, I almost don't mind getting hit by the basketball because we've got this moment of honest connection. And sometimes the beauty of agitation or opposition is that it creates these moments of honest connection. And that's where the power flows right there. Probably I've known antagonism since I was a little girl. Um, I remember experiencing bullying as a 10-year-old. I remember my mum bought me a therapy puppy to perk me up. I don't know if, I think it was before its time, but the dog worked wonders, except then dad probably ended up looking after the dog more than anyone when I became a teenager. But at the time it was to give me comfort. And um, I remember that my best friend turned the friendship circle against me and I, I suffered huge anxiety when the stability of your world shifts. And I remember experiencing this antagonism and this bullying at a point when I would say that it was like God was awakening the call within me at the same time. And I find that there are these heightened peaks in our God journey. And it's not uncommon for God to be releasing something in us at the same time as there's a little bit of antagonistic backlash. And I would say at 10 years old, I understood my call. I understood that I would grow up and lead in the house of God one day. And at the same time, my, um, the foundations were being challenged underneath me. And it, it really threw me as a little girl. I remember needing to have mental health get days and stay home and catch up on work and feeling overwhelmed. And then needing for my confidence to be restored coming out of that and I just think that there's an assignment towards the next generation which is targeting their identity and um, and in part that's because God wants to awaken them to their true identity and uh, and this antagonism and this confusion is coming around them and, and we need to declare who they are and we need to cut through with clarity and stand in the gap for them and I just found as a pastor that um I've learned to expect uh, a slap in the face and a kiss most Sundays, a bit of both. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, and that's ultimately because of where people are coming from. It's got very little to do with me. I need to be unmoved either way. I need to be consistent. 
either way. Our, our community needs us to be consistent for them. And I can stand in one conversation where I'm honoured and one conversation where I'm undermined and they flow from one to the other seamlessly. <laughs> this is the nature of the pastor. But I've just learnt to hold fast to my true north, to love generously, tough skin, soft heart. That's our position, amen? You know, at the root of um, most antagonism is fear, actually. And the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And John 14, um, 17 to 18, it says, In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance of boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect love completes. Full-grown love drives out fear. And that's what happens when we come into the house of God. We experience that full-blown love and it drives out dread and it drives out apprehension and it drives out fear. So just to summarize a bit this morning um, before we move back into some worship, some lessons from War Hope about navigating antagonism. Rather than react, measure your response. And, you know, many times we've got to get ourselves out of the way. We need to make sure that we don't make it about us because there's a, there's, a, there's a little test um, when antagonism comes our way. We can very easily make it about us, but many times it's got nothing to do with us. And the thing is, if we let it be about us, then we'll get distracted and we won't have the impact that we could. Um, as I roam around on a Friday night, there is a lot of drama. There's a lot of trash talking. And if I am not careful, I can get distracted by the drama and I can miss the moments. And I need to make sure that I get myself out of the way and that I'm not distracted by the drama because I want to be present for the moments with these young people. And when I'm with my church on a Sunday. We've got to get ourselves out of the, of the way because wholeness is on the agenda of God. Amen. And we can disarm with the atmosphere of worship. And I want to encourage you, none of you are defeated. None of you are overwhelmed. Crank the worship music up. Let it lift the roof of the atmosphere. Put your earpods in and let your heart be stirred and strengthened. Antagonism is an opportunity for next level engagement. That's why it comes our way in our marriages in our families, in our workplaces, we can go stronger. We can unite deeper um, if we can make it through the little obstacle of antagonism. And antagonism is an opportunity for next level engagement. That's what it is. It's a door swinging open for us to step through. So I want to um, pray for some people here this morning. Uh, I want to pray for some people that are experiencing um, antagonism in your homes and in your workplaces and in your relationships. And sometimes because you are a bearer of Christ, you're going to experience a certain level of antagonism because you carry his name. Uh, the Bible says that we're positioned as sentinels of truth. Sometimes when we stand steadfast and when we speak truth, there is a level of backflash flack that comes because we just don't sound like the flow of the world because we're coming as sentinels of truth, as bearers of truth. And I want to pray that we would be strengthened in this place today, in the assignments and um, the opportunities that God has anointed us for. See, what's amazing um, is that Jesus is anointed in the midst of a pretty antagonistic scene himself. And see, I think God's anointing flows over us 
even when antagonism is going on around us. In Mark 14, it says the high priests and the religion scholars were looking for a way they could seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. And Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper. And while he was eating dinner, a woman came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume and opening the bottle, she poured it on his head. And some of the guests became furious among themselves. That's criminal, a sheer waste. This perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. And they swelled up in anger and they nearly burst with indignation over her. Well, let me tell you, indignation is what religious antagonism looks like. And what's amazing about this story is that Jesus or God selected a woman that was, was fallen and overlooked by the religious perfection people. And she was the one that was chosen to anoint Jesus in that moment. Let me tell you, we're coming into a time in the earth which is an upside down kingdom. And God is flipping the rules and he's going to take the fallen ones and he's going to anoint them and he's going to take them as hand pieces and mouthpieces and he's going to release them to represent him and they're going to be his first choice. And this woman was God's first choice. And this is the nature of this upside down kingdom. The unworthy have their worth restored and they're the ones that are chosen by God. And we're going to see it. We're going to witness it around us. So I'm, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and I'm going to ask you to stand in your seats if you would. And I want to ask first this morning, who is there standing in this room today that feels they have been caught in a place of antagonism, caught in a place of conflict and the reality is, is when there's a season of antagonism, when it hovers over you, when it hangs over you, uh, it wears you down and it can take the wind out of your sails. And I feel there are people in this room today in their workplaces, in their schoolyards, in their marriages, advocating and standing over family that have been holding the line in, in positions of antagonism. And I believe God wants to refresh you here today so you can continue to be a sentinel of truth in your place and your position. So I want to ask those here today, right across this room, if you could just put your hand on your heart, just as an acknowledgement. I've been standing in a place of antagonism and it's, it's wearing me and it's contentious. And I need help to remain. See, many times God just asks us to stand. Many times, God just asks us to remain. And He enables us by His Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just thank You that You refresh each one right across this room right now. I thank You for fresh anointing. I thank You for a, a new anointing for the days ahead, for this next part in the story, Lord, that You would sustain them by Your Holy Spirit. You put fresh breath in their lungs, that you'd anoint their eyes to see with a heavenly perspective, that they'd see differently. They're perceived differently because you're giving them a heavenly perspective. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to these ones. I thank you, Lord, they are never alone. You never leave them. You never forsake them in those spaces. They never stand alone. You are the ultimate wingman. You are the Holy Spirit alongside them. And I thank you, Lord, that you're standing with them in those spaces. I thank you that you speak to them, that you give them strategy, you give them perspective. You pour life into their bones in those spaces. I thank you for rest. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Fresh anointing by the power of your Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm going to ask the team um, just to lead us in worship and sing the blessing over us. Um, because I just feel that God also wants to shift um, some family lines of antagonism, some family lines of disruption, some family lines of dysfunction. And I believe as he sings over us, as the team sing over us today, that that God is going to shift some things over us. See, sometimes there are um, uh, inflection and DNA and influence that comes down through us because of what we've been born into. And I love the overarching power of this song because it cuts through all those layers and all that stuff. And I believe God is going to shift some stuff in this atmosphere here today and release some people from stuff that's coming down, infiltrating through your family line. Some, it's quite subversive. It's a little bit hidden. But God is going to cut through that here today. And so if you feel like antagonism, it's been a part of your family line, that that um, discord and the disruption has been part of your family line. As this song is sung over you today, I just believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.